Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the AEW All In Redo podcast. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dudley Boy Michael Hamflit to discuss everything that went down again on the second of two two podcasts. Uh, but before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we preview and review Raw SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh, Dynamite Collision pay-per-views, premium live events, wrestler interviews we have on occasion. We have roundtable discussions also, and a roundup of the week, not this week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. But the general gist here, right, is that, as you may have already listened to, uh, myself and Hamlet, after a wonderful show, a torturous journey <laughs> on the tube, and a, let's face it, a little kebab on the way home. Yeah trotted into our Premier Inn in Shoreditch at half one in the morning, uh-huh. exhausted, reeling from the anxiety of maybe having to work out transport arrangements yeah. that weren't the tube if that hadn't come through at the last, at the 11th hour. Exhausted, voices cracked, wary that someone might have been in the next room uh-huh. listening to us very enthusiastically talk about this show. So it just felt a bit muted and maybe rushed. I wasn't entirely happy with it, so I thought, one, we're going to do it again. Uh Two, I want to do it again. We both independently pitched this to each other, thinking the same thing. More to mop up, wasn't it? More to mop up, more to just put over lovingly with a louder voice, and quite frankly, we missed this button. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And also, uh, the NXT preview, without stacks, and Willborn, to, and fair, Willborn, to a lesser extent, yeah. isn't quite as good. One thing we should mention as well um, before we dive straight into it is that it's wacky August. Wacky. Wacky. So, yeah, um, our nice bosses and the nice culture that is Future Publishing have given everyone at Future an office-wide Day off. Yeah, on company f- closure deal. Company yeah. closure deal on Friday. So we're not going to be in on Friday, but we'll have content on the Friday on your feeds. Yes, yes. Um, so we are going to do no NXT preview. We're going to do this instead. Uh, the Raw review will follow later today. And then we've got, well, you did the schedule, so you tell them. We've got. Tell so them, yeah. try. Tell them, try. So yeah. Try. Wednesday should follow your traditional pattern because we're all going well. Yeah, we're still doing NXT review. We'll have the Dynamite preview, but you know we're going to touch on AEW brackets general. You know, as part of this all in follow up because of all the stuff that you know 
you know who was involved in. But yeah, Thursday in particular, um, with being off on Friday when it's fallen on a two pay per view weekend immediately following the biggest wrestling event ever. We're going to try and do a couple of combination shows. We're going to do an AEW one that will cover a little bit of collision. Obviously, all out, whatever is available to us by Thursday. Same for WWE. We'll do SmackDown, also Payback. And that'll hopefully be a nice primer for both weekend pay-per-views. And then when we're back in next Monday... All going well. All going well. Monday can just be a double review, double down. We'll be able to do reviews of Payback, all out. Sidgwick is looking nervously at me here. I genuinely don't know how much of Payback I'll get to see. Yeah, I mean... I'm definitely doing written content on All Out. That's right. It's going to be be a much better show. Or is it? My God, without the punker. But we'll get to that. I was just thinking, yeah, I'll be doing written coverage of All Out as well, which means I'll have to pick that over Payback, and that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, we'll work out next week, but that yeah, was just. But this we will week. do our best. Yeah. So this week is it's it's basically next week. So start working September. Evidently, it's still wacky. Yes. As you know, as we've said on loads of other podcasts, we're doing our best to sort of get through this slightly tricky period as best we can. But we're trying to cover as much of the stuff going on. Has this ever happened? Not just the when WWE cynically like counter uh, uh, AW show with an NXT thing or something like that. Have we ever had an earnest accidental? Or both shows were on the same weekend. Clash at the Castle and All Out, wasn't it? Oh, of course, yeah. So this is now a kind of semi-regular thing then. where It was the same weekend, wasn't it? Because it it sort of felt like the punk had sort of taken all the conversation away. Yeah, Clash on the Saturday, All Out on the Sunday. And this year's a reversal, isn't it? Is it All Out on the Saturday? No, no, All Out on the Sunday, yeah. Aye, so we'll cover as much of it as we can, obviously. Thank you for your patience. But uh, aye, two preview, two sort of wrap-up previews on the Thursday. And then today as you've said, sort of an opportunity to cover All In and the uh, fall in from All In because everything's gone mad again. Everything's gone mad. So very briefly, we'll take you through the, the working plan here. We're going to do we'll talk about the show in general. That is All In, obviously. Then we're going to talk about the differences. I haven't watched the full show back on TV. Bits and bobs, one, two full matches. Um, just get a gist on how it felt watching mm. it live versus the TV presentation. Uh, then the fallout, and then we're going to briefly discuss um, whether All In was, you know, whether it re- actually resolved the core issues that we've had with the promotion and the business of the promotion. I mean, look at that collision uh, advance yeah. in Chicago and all the rest of it. But I let's talk All In and a little bit of All In weekend at the same time. Why not? So we got down great, great banter fueled uh, <laughs> train journey. Then had a couple of jars. Then we went to film some content. And then on the Sunday, there's more content. And then, what was your sense of the vibe heading into the show when we were around people? And what did you think it was like compared to a WWE stadium experience? And we only mentioned that because the fan experience is crucial. Yeah. If they want people to come back um, next year, which they do because they've announced All In 2 slash 3 um, for the next August Bank Holiday weekend. Um, what were your thoughts on entering the building? Obviously, our experience was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and what did you sense the atmosphere was like? Um, honestly, this isn't always a compliment, but it did feel like a WrestleMania. It did have that coming out of Wembley Park tube station, which for those that have seen before that kind of iconic view down Wembley Way, or Olympic Way, as I believe it's officially titled, where you see the stadium in the background. My son corrected me yesterday. Today. Good. Well, as he should. I sort of described got that it. from his dad. I described it to you as like the sort of that like Wes Anderson symmetry of Olympic Way, where you've got all the separate flags leading you 
to Wembley Stadium, this iconic sort of coliseum. Um, that was that's the exact sort of thing that WWE go for, isn't it? You are here in WWE land. Like London's obviously a massive scattered city, so every now and then you would see a wrestling T-shirt, or you would sense that wrestling was happening. But it's there to compete with every other thing that's happening in London. But certainly in and around Wembley, especially, they nailed it in terms of the um, the vibe and the the WWE has come to town. This is the be all and end all center of the universe type feeling. I will say, um, and you know, I will protect people's anonymity here if they wish to share with us. You can do in the replies to this podcast. But we did speak to a number of people, as usual, we'll reiterate a hundred times. It's fantastic to meet people. Yeah. Everything we do here is digital. At least three people who are like frequent people in the replies. It's so nice getting people who've ardently supported you over the years and actually getting the chance to meet them. That's it. I don't want to single anyone out because in case we miss people. Yeah. It's always messages and stuff, isn't it, on Twitter. And then it's just amazing when you get the real life experience. But three separate people on the Saturday were extremely critical of um, the Fan Fest. Yes. uh, Which was something that took place at Box Park at Wembley. Um, And obviously the kind of insane merch queues. What unavoidable. It's worth a minute on that, isn't it? Like two merchandise stands outside Wembley that are just simply not in service of how much people want to buy in to AEW and what that investment reflects. The queue to supply ratio to how many stalls there were was obscene. It's not going to be massive, but I just got the set. It's been much maligned. Yeah. Sorry for the inadvertent alliteration. The much maligned merch department. <laughs> um, we were really curious on mm. maybe even a schadenfreude level if they would get that right. And I don't think they did. Like you go up Olympic way and I just saw a huge snake queue of people for, like, a pretty small stand. Yeah. And I'm going to use the WWE comparison because you can say, you know, are oh, you biased? No one would ever say that the other way around for me. But mm. I think it's comparable, and I think it's important. I think that's the standard, realistically. I mean, look how much they shift. When we went to Clash at the Castle last year, again, very fortunate to do that. The first thing you see on the side of the stadium we were at anyway, I'm assuming there were more all oh, the way the yeah, round, yeah. was this absolutely massive unmistakable, here's why you're buying merch. It's manned by several different people, and they've got these really tall, um, upwards rectangular things where everything's pinned to a board. Mm. And it's like you'd hurt your neck looking at the top of it almost. Belts, just stupid trinkets, yeah, T-shirts, and it was just... I wouldn't have bought the merch. I don't really buy wrestling merch anyway. I think it's obscenely overpriced. But the point is, you can price it obscenely and people still want to buy it. It's like part of the fun to some people, isn't it? So like get all that stuff while they're there. It Clash at the Castle, and this is the same inside the stadium, I didn't see one line. And fair in mind, it wasn't that much smaller. Mm. I didn't see one line where I thought, oh, I would not want to be stuck in there. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. It's great that there's demand. But it was the sort of demand where you would be actively put off because there was a similar situation inside the stadium. Like, I know it sounds like we're labouring on merch, but I think it's a, here we are. We're going to get really hyped very soon. Yeah, but here we are watching AEW. I know, challenger brand market leader, but here we are watching AEW take their first stab at a WWE scale, WrestleMania scale production. And you do start looking at the differences. You know, it's like one machine has been slickly operating for all these years. So it's like, well, where are AEW lacking? And you hope that they can catch up on 
the travel inbuilt <laughs> the inbuilt Wembley merch counters were just as bad to the point where you would get inside and people were stuck in these t-shirt queues as you could hear music in the venue and as a consumer that's a really difficult position to be put in isn't it yeah. so I want to hold my place in this very slow moving queue and risk missing for example MJF and Adam Cole making their entrance for yeah. like that was a, you watched people having to make that choice and it's part of the consumer experience like I don't know if now is the right time or later on the podcast I had a chat with Scott Tailford of the gaming podcast yeah. and what culture you and what culture gaming YouTube, which you should check out if you're a fan of video games. God, that's good corporate synergy, that isn't it? He's uh, he's joined us a couple of times as a guest, and you know people like his AEW takes. And he said, as a consumer, he didn't travel with us as a work. Thing. He's a massive merch guy yeah. in terms of like he loves figures, he loves T-shirts. He's very much, and he will admit this, a pop culture nerd. Yeah, that's loves fair. buying a lot of things. I would say AEW for him is swallowed up in that rather than being just an out-and-out wrestling fan. And he just felt as a consumer experience, which is what him and his wife had, that he wa- it wasn't the sort of thing that would make him go back the next year. Like, as a show, as an experience, as a sort of, like, the, the I guess, like, the view he had, the getting around, it didn't work enough for him to want to go back the following year, which is ultimately what AEW were hoping for. And there's a lot of these little things that build up, I think. Um, so, yeah, that was merch. Other than that, I will say... The vibe was extremely positive. It People kind of, were loving this. Yeah, it kind of came round in the exact way we said it would. We tried to make it very clear, crystal clear, that all of our criticisms of the card were like over there to one side because we knew the show would be fantastic. It would deliver something even if the matches weren't of a high standard or whatever. And I think that's what you could feel. You could feel the excitement of people being part of something. Going to WrestleMania, we talked about this. We've both done it through work and like as a financial undertaking. It's an enormous commitment in your life to do, and not everybody is privileged enough to be able to do that. WrestleMania, in the form of All In, came to them, so people were really wanting to buy into that, and I think you could feel that. That was that was how I would sort of describe the atmosphere was WrestleMania level, and that is a compliment. Yeah. Before we just basically use the next, what, 20 minutes as an excuse to talk again about how much we love certain <laughs> sports, matches, story beats, whatever... Um, Actually being in that stadium, the scale of it is frightening. It was so vast. It looked fantastic. I really liked how minimalist AEW went with it because the scale was the selling point and not necessarily the production values, even though a lot of the entrances were spectacular, the pyro and the drone Mm. shots. like They didn't undersell you on the AEW WrestleMania experience, if you like. Um, But I just loved being in there, sitting amongst it, um, just watching it. It was almost distracting at various points. Um, but I will say as well, the, these fans were so up for it. We sat down, um, probably about half four or something, 20 past four, potentially, and uh, Brewu happened. <laughs> oh, my God. Hamlet went into a state of nirvana <laughs> is the yeah. only thing I could accurately compare it to. It was the proper one. And with a, with a, when it was two-thirds full, people were still filtering in this is how much the atmosphere was electrifying. And when I just knew, oh, I'm so into this because I was a little bit hungover. <laughs> and, like, I don't do well with travel that much, even though the journey down was pleasant. Like, navigating the tube, even when I've got surrogate parents to hold my <laughs> hand, I'm still a little bit, I just want to be in there. Yeah. I just want to be in there. And then with a two-thirds full stadium who hadn't been brought to a to a crescendo, to an emotional apex with whatever story was unfolding, watching Jeff Jarrett just do the easiest heel stuff ever, how mad is it that the sound was good, everything was loud, you couldn't hear of all people, Karen Jarrett, <laughs> because 
for a pre-show bait, that audience response was deafening. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, instantly, you were kind of aware, as you say, about like the scale of the venue. You were aware that at least inside, you weren't going to suffer that like sound loss. You know, we've talked about it for years with WrestleMania, haven't we? Like in stadiums, it's kind of nothing worse than being in a quiet stadium, is there? Because you're left to stare at the size of it and wonder why the noise isn't broadcasted back in your face. Like, why does it... Like, I've, I think probably WrestleMania 35 was my first experience of that. It was my first WrestleMania, and I'm in the time of my life, and yet there were long, lethargic periods of it where I'm just left to stare at the mass rather than listen for the atmosphere because there was none. Yeah. And really early on to kind of be shown uh, this is probably not going to be a problem tonight was quite encouraging. Though I will say... And this is where we can bring in our rewatch and our television experience. A lot of that was filtering through on social media on Sunday. So last night when we got home, with dweebs would love this. On Monday, sorry. I was really keen to watch that back just to see how this audio thing was reflected. And again, I'm not going to go into footed in AEW because it's the first try at this. But equally, it's not like a first try in that. Like a little engine that could simply doesn't run Wembley, does it? So you can have reasonably set expectations. Yeah. I don't think they quite nailed the sound. I don't think they quite captured the or, the volume that I knew. Was it was unbelievable. I've never because fe- I've, I felt it. You know? I've never felt anything like it. I would say, and this is weird considering I've been to WrestleMania thirty. I've been to like a peak takeover. I've been to um, double or nothing. Mm. I've been to big big shows with matches that were wildly over. I saw Big Builder were running at Madison Square Garden. Yes. Noise-making moments. Yes. NXT at the the arena in Newcastle. Yeah. (laughs) I've heard nout like that. The closest comparison was Edge's entrance at Clash at the Castle. Mm. I I could not believe how loud that was. This was like at its peak like three times louder. Like Judas was ridiculous, for example. So I maybe they didn't do enough to translate that sound, but I can't imagine anyone who wasn't there live would have really picked up on it as a significant issue, like no. critical. How have you not captured this? They captured it, but maybe not quite as well. Anyway, I'm going to start being very undiscerning and <laughs> mark for the next 20 minutes. I just want to talk about, with my voice raised, without any kind of apprehension about who's next door on a premier in, just how <laughs> awesome this was. I'm not going to go match by match. It's just going to be like freewheeling, talking about the best bits. Joe and Punk. I'm just going to say it again, religious experience. Like, yeah. the performative culture war is so much better. And I'll tell you what as well, right? I'm a harsh critic. Sometimes I can just be a knob about it, to be perfectly honest. And I can understand some of the criticisms criticisms that come my way. Excuse me if you hear a rattle. I'm He's having a smint. Up. I'm having a smint. Um, That's why so fresh. When I watch wrestling on TV, especially after February 2020 and the summer of 2021, if I see a six or a seven, I'm like, that's appalling. I need, I, need an, <laughs> I need an eight in a minimum. And I'm so I'm struck most right at Wembley. Just live wrestling is so much better. Hmm. It's just so much better. And I don't know if AEW does enough to capture it. I don't know if the product is with it not being hot. You could feel it in 2021. That was the difference. Yes, you were desperate to be a part of it. So maybe it is a product thing. But the simplest take I had is it is so much fun being there when the heel heals on you live because it feels personal because you're in the same building as they are. I didn't even think his heat sequence was that strong. It almost dragged down the match, but Jack Perry against Hook, when he 
oh my god, the Van Terminator. One inspired inspired spot that is because there are a few moves I'd actually want to see live. Yeah. So for him to do the it's kind of a modern heel spot where MGF does it where it's like when he's playing heel. Oh, I'm gonna give you a dive, I'm gonna give you something exciting. Actually, no, up yours, swivel, you're not getting it. I, I'm a sucker for it. Yeah. Is there any move that you'd want to see more live than the Van Terminator? It's like a pretty short list. So for him to do that and then just do the up yours, like I was incandescent with performative. It's a show rage. Yeah. Heels being heels live. There's now better, and CM Punk in this context is a god. Before I get your thoughts on this, we'll just do selected matches. We haven't really got a, 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 a firm plan, as you can tell. I've been a little bit down on the CM Punk return because through a convergence of factors, he's not working on the elite. And it's as a result, it's not the thing everybody wants. And when he's being buddy-buddy, working these 48-minute matches with CMFTR on the second hour of collision, it's a bit like he just wants to play the heroes he watched on WCW Saturday night. Yeah, When he's a heel, and specifically for some reason this kind of heel, I'm besotted with him. <laughs> I've got the same energy as I got with the Eddie Kingston and Kojima matches. For a guy who was an amazing babyface in 2021, for a guy who we know can play heel wonderfully for like a long, long time, as we saw in ROH, like in terms of how long he's in the ring, for a heel who can do really weighty, important stuff, or a performer who can really do the main event style and make everything matter and make it feel epic and important. Watching CM Punk essentially play a stooging mid-card heel. Yeah. How is he so great at this? Well, it's... <sighs> religious experience. Like it's beneath them, but he's still amazing at it. He elevates every element of pro wrestling he chooses to engage with. Mm-hmm. Everything, like, it would scan as indulgent or house show fodder or weird pantomime if you saw a main eventer with the cameras off going daft doing clown stuff. We've all seen it, you know, like every now and then they'll take the night off. And if you just view it in that context, it's fine. But otherwise, you're like, hang on, that's not him off the telly. Yeah. Him at all. It's weird. This would have been that by anybody else. And yet he has just got, I don't know if it's the lightness of touch. I don't know if it's just his skill set and how he's like, you know, it's student of the game stuff, isn't it? Like the more that he watches and the more that he was able to, well, in some cases, literally over his career, steal. Like the things that he has taken, uh, that have just, sometimes it's for good. As a baby face, he can do epics. You know, the, I think the work with John Cena, like rounded him off in a good way that I know people don't really like about seeing certain wrestlers get rounded off, but I think it helped to CM Punk. And I just think it's the type of thing that he can do that so few can. He played here, I would describe him as having an energy bar refilled by people's tears. Yes. Like he would be getting beaten down by Samoa Joe and people bought so much into the fiction, and I especially picked this up on the rewatch of the the TV version of it, because obviously in the crowd, I'm just practically in tears the whole time. I'll feel them in my tears, but they're only happy ones. I can't yeah. believe that I'm watching, in my mind, this just this master at work. But like, watching on TV, here is a man that for the duration of this match has every single person thinking this is as real as it gets. This is, like, they're looking at this. Thank God Samoa Joe's beating him up because I was really worried he was going to win there. Yeah. You know, like, that is... And that's wrestling, isn't it? Like, oh, we lose that now, because 
kayfabe is dead, and that's okay. And there are multiple ways with which to appreciate the art form. And you can do both. You can buy into the story while it's happening, and then stand up and respectfully applaud both wrestlers after the fact, because you want to acknowledge the hard work, whatever it is. This was all the first one. This was as old school as it got. And his ability to just tweak who he is to be the best version of another wrestler is like almost nobody else I can think of. There aren't many. Like the the one that's just popped into my head, and it's probably because I'm sat across from you, is Kenny Omega um, doing Urkel or doing Belt Collector. Because where's he pulled that from? Like, Did I do that? Yeah, like where's where's his head gone for that? And it's like you're in a suit. You know, the rocks are millionaire, the rocks are people's chair. The rock couldn't do that. The rock couldn't switch from being the corporate champ to like going full clown arsehole. Yeah. Kenny Omega did, and CM Punk does. I just, I'm in love with that 12 minute punk match, man. Just on that, and slightly relate to what you said. And I've thought this before because there's been plenty of times in his career, and I'm talking over the last 15 years, where people have said about Samoa Joe, ah, too late, mate, clock's ticking, all of that. There aren't many better live wrestlers ever than Smojo, is there? He that was man, in his element. He's not even different gravy when you're watching him live. He's not even gravy. He's something else. What's, what's better than gravy and food? I don't know, because it it's the top tier for me. Top yeah. tier of liquid food. What's better than gravy? Lovely, rich reduction. <laughs> Smojo is a rich reduction live. There are a few live wrestlers like Joe. He does, he does something else. The man's a building. And to watch somebody have to take that down, I, like, it's one of the few things that I called early on the night. But I practically melted in the puddle when I could sniff out the Pepsi plunge. Yeah. Next to you. I couldn't cope with the fact that I thought I was going to see it. Like, psych- this is it. Psychologically, this match was one of the strongest of the night. Yeah. It built off a bad GTS. That spot that everybody laughed at on television, yeah. these two men were like, well, have this then. Yeah. Dickheads. Like, such it was a so bit of business. Secure in itself, this yeah. match. Like, I talk a lot, right, about how I'm increasingly put off by self conscious wrestling where it's so obvious, like transparent, that a wrestler wants to have a great match, that even when they are actually delivering and having a great match, that sort of a transparent desire to do it. And I saw this with the books in FTR and that yeah. uh, sequ- that big suplex sequence where they were clearly chasing that standing ovation. And that put me off that match. And I loved that match. Like increasingly, like since like the Gargano and NXT since the rise of NXT, really, since the rise of New Japan with the 40-minute epics and a lot of AEW stuff, like, the acclaim, the currency of star ratings and work rate and all of the rest of it, it's it's eaten itself so many times Mm -hmm. over to watch Punk and Joe have a fight that both of them clearly wanted to win and to just piss about. Yeah. Knowing full well, I know what, if we do some pretty funny Hogan stuff, right? No one will ever consider this a classic. We can't therefore do that. It's so much more entertaining than a million four and a quarter star shin pad matches I've seen in like the last however many years. Two masters who know how to manipulate a crowd, who know how to just have fun, who know how to tell a story, who can just piss about but not in a way that demeans themselves. No, it's, it wasn't disrespectful to the setting or the the scale just of it, pure like, joy. Yeah, this wasn't. This didn't feel um, like it was two wrestlers that were angry with a promoter or angry with each other, and we're just going to go out there and stubbornly do what they wanted. Like none of that at all. This was for the good of the show. The re- they, they were putting on the performance that people want to see from them. And I think interestingly, and this is like you know the measure of Joe and Punk as 
uh, good as they are together, but the measure of them as experienced and tenured veterans that just know how to do this, it does make you think like there aren't many people that can dick about in a way that makes sense and in a way that feels big and feels good. But M. Jeff and Cole did it in the main event as well, and that's a huge credit to them. It never felt like it took away from the gravitas, and that's kind of the same in both cases, and you're watching two pros that you feel have that same pedigree or are certainly on the way to that same pedigree the longer they're in the industry. Yeah. Like, it, it's that's hard. That's really hard. I don't think... Gargano's a perfect example, and I'm not picking on him here because a lot of people love that drama. When he switches to comedy, it changes everything. Oh, no. There is no switching back. You're not getting both out of Johnny Gargano in a match. It will kill the heat, or he has to say super serious. You, and that's not a knock on him, but... I, He's very not, few people can do what these not guys somebody, can do. He's not somebody that can do both. It yeah. changes everything, and this didn't. This only enhanced. Aye. So any other before we get to the main event that we didn't really talk too much about on Sunday night? Is there anything else from the show that you want to talk about? I'm going to weave two points into one. We're going to talk about the differences between watching live on TV. So I'm going to do that through Stadium Stampede. But if there's anything else you want to talk about before we get to the main event? We did cover a lot of this off on on the yeah, other pod. I, not really. I watched the Elite match back on television it wasn't as good truthfully I enjoyed looking at Kenny Omega and looking at what he was doing I appreciated more in the moment the double and triple team spots it wasn't a great night for Kota Ibushi again yeah. and I don't think there was I thought they hid it in person and then on television you could see the wires a lot more and I I don't know if they'll go back to that well again I think this was evidence I'm not this not just saying they say we were right but everybody that said it was right. And we knew we were right going in, and we were right as the match took place. Like, don't hide Kenny Omega ever again in that yeah. stadium. Ever. Unacceptable then, unacceptable when you're watching it. I, I watched most of that match, and I actually fell asleep. <laughs> because I'd watched, I'd got home half four from the train, realised I had to do some admin before the kids were brought back into the ho- household. Like tidying, I wanted to wash my things straight away. I've got a big kink for that. Yeah. Love I love washing clothes when I've been on holiday. Right. I can't explain why. I just it feels like a little thing of life that you've accomplished. Because <laughs> I don't really accomplish much in terms of practical real life. So it's like the little victories. It's an admin out in tray, out tray thing. Yes. Right? Yeah. So when the kids before the kids came back, I was like, oh, I've got twenty minutes here, right? Punk Joe, Punk Joe. And then I watched Stadium Stampede, which I'm gonna get into before we get to the main event which I think we just need to talk about a bit more. And I was like, right, one more before bed. I watched Kenny in the stadium, and I fell asleep halfway through because I think it was Baggy in the middle. Mm-hmm. Baggy in the middle. Uh, I'm going to talk about Stadium Stampede first, and then we'll just gush over the main event because I don't think we did it justice No, on um, the Sunday night review. So I watched Stadium Stampede. When I watched it live, I was loving it because I thought it was fantastic. The skewer spot, just the carnage, the violence had a wonderful time watching it. Watching it on TV back, I thought it was even better. It might even be my match of the night outside of the main event. Right, wow. I just... This genre, I'm obsessed with, and I think it's perfect, and I hope they do it every year. In an arena or in a stadium, maybe even multiple times per year, because I think one of the problems is, we saw it this year a little bit, is that... It's calendar specific, and if WWE are going to draw the criticisms for that, then AEW should do should draw the same criticisms for doing the exact same thing. This is how this should work. Um, but at the same time, I can see why if they went two years without a super hot feud between two stables, taking the you know oh we can't we shouldn't just do it because it's on the calendar. 
No, nah, just do it. It's yeah. too good. It's too friggin' great. This is the uh, ultimate reason why, because we've said this is a spreadsheet match. Why are Death Triangle best friends working together? What's Moxley's problem with them all except Kingston, mm. specifically? And why is Kingston involved with them just to get at the Moxley? Uh, it was all completely messy. Uh, live, this is spectacular. It was like even better. Even better on TV. Like, you got to see, because... Where we were, and I gather this was the same for a lot of people in Wembley, you have this thing where if I'm going to watch Kenny Omega's Terminator dive, I'm going to watch the dive in the ring. Yes. Everything else, because of what your your mind and your eyes naturally drawn to. I, I was watching the screen a lot of the time. Right. It was great because it was like a live experience and watching it in an outdoor cinema with 80,000 people at the yeah. same time because it's just easier to follow the action on the screen. When you are watching it on TV, and even the screen's far away, mm. I think the screens could have been bigger. Agree. The ones around the ring. I think yeah. they could have been a little bit bigger in truth. Um, but then again, they nailed the, well, for me anyway, the pillar situation. Mm. They weren't too close to the ring. Like, I was never, my view was never obstructed at any point. Let us know if yours was, actually, because I was interested yeah, in how that it. worked. I think it was kind of like a logistical feat. It's really hard, obviously, that you're not going to have somebody that doesn't have a valid complaint out of 81,000, are you? But, like, we were very fortunate to be on the lower tier, but in a high seat. Yeah, you had a great view. Classify that as maybe one of the perfect seats in the stadium, full of good views. But, um, yeah, those, I did notice those, you know, because the pillars were, like, on boxes, quite chunky boxes at ringside. And I did sort of think the lower you were to that, the more those were going to, yeah. in the way of the ringside stuff. Um, and obviously the stage being little means that see, people are going to sit behind it. Yeah. But the visual of people behind the stage looks kind of awesome. Yeah. It's a doorway. Right? I, you always think of Wembley. Yeah. That doorway that the wrestlers come out of. There's people on top of them. WWE have used it to great effect this year. I kind of welcome the return of this. In yes, please do. It Good just looks, fanta- yeah. it looks fantastic. Um, so I, what I was going to say is that, so the screens were small, even though you could follow it better on the screen. When I watched this match back, and there were so many great spots that played with the idea of how big the stadium was and the scale, like, with the skewers and Moxley's, like, hammy reaction mm. to it and, like, the dives off ladders and all the rest of it. When you when I watched it back, you could just f- literally almost feel the intimacy of the violence. Like, Trent, I knew he was getting battered at the time. It's harrowing in the best way possible and a built to something when you watch it, like... So they do the close-up of the ladder spot where he's on the top turnbuckle. Moxley, like, Stan Hansen lariats the his calves. Yeah. And Trent, like, it's like a light switch, but the back of his head hits the ladder. Like, Jesus Christ. And then he gets the underside of the table with barbed oh. wire. And then I think he takes something else. And then when he's like, oh, I need to get out of here, he starts <laughs> crawling out the ring. Moxley goes, no, there's some stairs there. I'm going to give you a pile driver on them. We've talked at length about with Moxie being a heel. It was probably the right time. There was a great storyline reason for him to do so. But at the same time, I, I just love the man so much. Like Murray's got a great take. He's like, the only parasocial relationship I have with a wrestler is with John Moxley <laughs> because he's just too much of a... Yeah. He seems like too much of an awesome guy and he's too great at what he does. When I watched it back on TV, it was so <laughs> cruel. Like, it was so violent that I was thinking, oh, hey, man, can you not... Beat up someone else for a little bit, like Trent's taking a battering here. Yeah. At the exact moment I had this thought, the camera pans back, and Sue has had the same thought as well. 
It's like, no, you're hitting, you're hitting my son too hard. I'm going to come out and assist them with some bacon trays. And I just thought they've used violence for a great reason. It wasn't just this, oh, we should probably have a violent spectacle with some of the best brawlers and violence guys in one match. Like, they made all of it made sense and they justified the violence. Not that I needed justified. I'm a bit of a ghoul. But one thing else I want to say about this is that I will never stop loving this. I'll never stop loving missing the action because the fact that the action exists mm -hmm. on your periphery, sometimes you can't see it. Sometimes they'll cut to it and you've seen the move. Like, I can't imagine people saying, like, um, production was a bit wonky. The idea that there are these ultra-violent scraps happening everywhere and you miss some of it, I think it's, again, feature, not bug. It just, I find it so easy to suspend my disbelief. Even in a match where a wrestler's mom helps them, a guy has a costume change, mm -hmm. complete with an entrance theme, it should feel more contrived than it does. I just think it's perfect. I think it's so many different kinds of perfect rolled into one. There's one bit where, did you see Lego in the stadium? I saw it as the bump was taken onto it. Yeah. A moment before, it was the colours. Like same on TV. So, oh, some Lego there. Well, it doesn't really matter because there's something else going there. And I just thought the more imperfect the production is, the better. And I just love the genre of match. And I thought on the night it was, well, sorry, when I was watching it on TV, I thought it was like five times even better than it was in the stadium. I might watch it again on my lunch. Do you know, like I just, well, you know, I don't love it as much as you. I, I didn't like have that in when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Emotional connection with it to that degree. But the best compliment I can pay it really, uh, like when I was watching it back, I was trying to think how, there's obviously a number of reasons, how has Tony Khan done such a good job of match placement on this card. The best yeah. ever. The best ever, I think, in AEW history. And I think it's because this... Us Brits are goated as fans as well. Well, that as well. This, somehow, was a palate cleanser. 
And uh, he didn't sacrifice. You said it before. Spreadsheet match, right? If anything should be a palate cleanser, should be the opportunity to just switch your brain off, to go to the toilet, whatever. Like, I know it's never ideal to have to take a break, to get a drink, to get food, to go to the toilet, because on an AEW show, there's just not the invitation to do so. It's match, 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 match. There's hardly any video packages. You have to take a piss break during a match. You will lose, a th- you will lose something. And so I picked... Yeah, I watched the entrances, and then they started brawling in the aisle, and I thought, oh, maybe it's just a five-on-five brawl. I'll go now. And then I come back, and I can just about make out um, two wrestlers. I don't even know they are. They're so far away from us in one of the upper tiers having a fight. It's, oh, they've made it up there, then, have they, you know? So, like, I'd, I'm so impressed with this as a palate cleanser. I'm so impressed that a lot of other things, like, well, I don't know why I'm talking around it, why the women weren't thrown out there to just be that for people, because there were, that was high stakes. The title was on the line. There was a hometown favourite. There was a massive star, the whole deal. No other matches that could have been betrayed by getting the layout wrong or, like, lost the audience through exhaustion had to, like, had to suffer that because of this match. You absolutely could just mentally disengage and still be completely wowed by what you were watching. Again, like what we're saying about Joe and Punk, hard stuff. Like, hard things being achieved. That's where I want to, like... That's where I'll take an L on the card. I still think we were right to raise red flags about the quality of the card. But when you saw it in action, there were definitely a couple of points where you're like, I, this show needed this. Yeah. I was wrong here. You know, I was I was definitely wrong about this. This yeah. was one of the best... You know, WWE would have hoid on a Divas match. This was demented. Like, back in 2010. And now here we are. The industry, you've got like a minimum of like what three massive stars in this plus a bunch of other people that are always there or thereabouts, just beating the piss out of each other. And you're welcome to just maybe sit back in your chair five minutes and enjoy it. Yeah, really great. It's demented. I love this. As I said, right, this is the redo. If you want a match by match that's a little bit quiet and a bit exhausted, you can do so. We've already done an all in review with myself and Hamlet, but let's talk about this main event before we cover off two more quick topics because it was the last. It was like three o'clock in the morning. I just want to talk about it more with a higher volume and praise it to the hilt. Yeah. It, this was so bold. I've seen nothing like it. And I think it was with no hyperbole whatsoever a work of genius. You had, and I've said this before, I just want to say it again louder, particularly since I've been so down on AEW throughout much of this year. I just think it bears repeating. And I think some perspective is needed about what legitimately what was such a towering achievement. You've got 81,000 people ninety uh, paid, 90,000 in total, mm-hmm. right? The most people who have paid and are therefore willing to make noise and are not just high-ranking, highfalutin mates of people who are mates with people who are in the audience. Yeah. This is the most amount of people who've paid money to go and watch something, therefore they are the most invested. The British crowd is generally known to be amongst the loudest in the world. You've got 81,000 super passionate people who are watching this promotion to which they are devoted for the first time in four years when for like 1.5 of those years you thought, are we ever going to get to be able to do this again? Yeah. They've, MGF and Cole and Tony Khan, have crafted this storyline and this match with the idea of being, and it's not just for this purpose, it's because it makes sense for the dynamic. How can we make this set of fans make every noise I heard laughter. I heard pops. You know what the cliche is? If there's any down moments, and I've watched a few clips where they are actually monologuing, there's a good version and bad version of everything, even monologuing. (laughs) 
um, where it's hushly quiet. I'm telling you now, sometimes the gotten to defense mechanism can be correct. How many times have you heard, like people say, usually during a Randy Orton WrestleMania match, uh, the reason why they were quiet is because they were so captivated? <laughs> that was actually true during this. Yeah. I felt on the few moments where this is quiet, where they were selling for a long time, or they were sort of registering that which they'd just done, they weren't sat there on their hands, like, on their phones, not that there was sig- not that there was signal. They were legitimately compelled in that way that feels so false to say, because I've heard it say, I've heard it said so often that it's become a joke. They were captivated even during the silence here. I've never seen people... Like, what a perfect baby face match. What a perfect all baby face and all heel match at the same time. Yep. I've never seen that done. Like I was, again, I just want to say it louder. The bit of friendly banter in the exchange where, like, you're taking your piss out of your mate. Sometimes you go near the knuckle about some exper- embarrassing experience they've had or some they've, something they've misspoken about. That was like that, but through the vehicle of wrestling where they were poking each other in the eye and stepping on each other's backs. Like... Friendly banter because they are mates, mm. but through the language of wrestling, I was just so impressed by it. Like the violence and the why am I so violent? I like was great. Yeah, the comedy, the Panama Sunrise to Bryce. I read someone say that was unintentionally funny. What? Yeah, that's nothing was unintentionally funny. In how match. did they? How could you think that they did that and not thought people would laugh because it was like it was legitimately funny watching Bryce Riggs. Bryce Remsburg, of all people, take a Canadian destroyer. Yeah. I did not realise what slapstick is. It was also, like, within the context of wrestling, broadly credible. You watch it back. You you buy into the the idea that the second that Adam Cole's legs are around a wrestler's head, he cannot stop himself springing up. Yeah. And it's, like, the physics of it are just enough. And I think that's... When it's already a pretty ridiculous move that relies completely on emotional logic to work in the first place at the best of times. Well, I was trying to think of, because they were looking for the, because like that was Bryce's second bump. So they were looking for something that would register as a, now he's definitely not getting up. Yeah. He got up off the little clash. Now he's, and the only other one I could think of that they could have done it with is Cole setting up the last shot and like Bryce is down there looking all like a ref. MJF pulls him in at the last minute. Yeah. And he takes Adam Cole's knee. I couldn't think of another spot that would have had that effectiveness. And they've gone for the gutsier one. Yeah. They've gone for the, and you know, like Bryce Remsburg has got this. Because they wanted people to just have a laugh with this and, really warm storyline as well. And remember it, I, you know, I was gushing about it on the podcast when we were back in the hotel. And as you say, I can't go louder. I wish I could. But it's nice to be able to do it at length here. Genuinely, my favorite thing from the whole show was the one count laugh break. Yeah. He uses his body to illustrate. I'm up to count. I'm still not good. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then the 80,000 people, that pop that you describe when a WWE character does a line that, like, slightly makes you laugh at home. Like, yeah. 80,000 people doing that. Yeah. It's enormous. Like, <laughs> like a stand-up has just done, like, the gag before the gag, and it's in the middle of a wrestling match for all the marbles, the highest stakes, the biggest event ever, and they've got that. And I just think that, imagine, like, the stress of a three-count the reason the near fall, the reason that last rolled shoulder on a 2.99 is as effective as it is because it's also quick. It's three seconds between life or death. And they've elongated that process. Aye. Like He's gone down again, but the one isn't cancelled out. It's like, good up, we need a two. Yeah. And then we're going to need a three. And I've never seen anybody play with that before. And I just, 
I think the boldness of this, the um, what was the other comedic spot that I thought, in the wrong hands, this goes horribly wrong. How long they did the chair toss to escalate to the Pillman neck bit? Yeah. And Adam Cole is looking at MJF with a chair around his neck. You know, like, if he'd have really had his head switched on, Bryce's back's turned, stomp his neck. Yeah. But instead, now he's not in that game. He's in the game of chess. He's in the game of comedy chess. He's like, how can I out-clown MJF? He's, he's put the frigging chair around his neck. They have lost sight. It's that... Friends thing, isn't it, when a joke's gone too far? I've lost sight of what we're doing here. Yeah. Like, Adam Cole could actually attack him, but instead he's like, I cannot out-cheat this guy. Like, if Adam Cole really has concocted a plan all along, this is where the plan falls apart. Yeah. Because he thought, this plan has gotten me all the way to Wembley, and I can't outthink him. You know, and that's assuming that he does turn heel. What if now? God, I wish this. God, I wish this so much. We get a run. Like, I predicted optimistically that they would win the Ring of Honor titles and that we wouldn't get the payoff. Yeah. Because truthfully, in my heart, I just want this story to continue. And I felt that... It's not time, is it? No one wants to see this magic, so they just let you see it. I felt that rippling around the building. The more it went on... I mean, you heard it with the hug at the end, but the more it went on, the heartbreak was not in the potential of a turn. The heartbreak was in the idea that it might be all over. Adam Cole ripping off the shirt. Adam Cole doing the tombstone on the table when MJ... And the cake and ate it too. Yeah. I, I just... I. Yeah, you've said it. Like, I can't think of a match that did that so frequently with such whiplash pivots that never felt like one story betrayed the other. Yeah. This was, like, I was talking to somebody on Twitter that just, like, didn't really feel this quite as much. And, like, I've talked to loads of people on Twitter about this match. It's got, like, all sorts of different opinions. They, for me, crafted, like, a new genre masterpiece here. Yeah, same here. And it's going to be sad to watch the sequels. It's going to be sad to watch people rip this off. Yeah. Try. Yeah. Just to address those criticisms, because they, you know, some people hated this match, a lot of people loved it. Um, we should address the criticisms mm-hmm. and see if we disagree with them or not before we very quickly wrap up. Um, I was going to ask if All In was an aberration or the start of a resurgence, um, judging by the pre-show activity. It feels like the problems are still going to remain. Yeah. Um, so we'll just talk about CM Punk momentarily um, after... I want to address two of the criticisms criticisms that this match um, attracted. One, people said that if you hate why am I so violent spots and monologuing so much, why did you love this match? I think that's a fair question to ask. The reason why is that AEW, since its inception and the precursor to AEW, has been all about friendship I think they've probably taken it a little bit too far until I saw this entire program play out. When I was talking earlier this year of, like, I'm sick of whether the elite want to be mates or not. Yeah. I'm absolutely sick of it. Um, I can understand why people... I was saying, like, in the weeks ahead of this show, I miss some hatred. I need some hatred in wrestling, and it's becoming, like, the opposite. Um, So when people say, also, why do you like, why am I so violent stuff when he hated it in NXT? And the reason is that, even though DIY with this, like, incredible tag team that had this wonderful origin story of, like, two mates just doing it literally themselves. Mm. Even though the elite, you can, see, you can sense it with Omega and Bucks have got more friend chemistry, if that makes any sense. One of the reasons why Omega and Page worked, it's like, when the two people in the group who 
we're all a big friendship group. I can't imagine you two having a pint with yes. each other. That was the Page and Omega chemistry. I'm going to use a friends analogy again. It's a Rachel and Chandler's cake episode. Yes. This is weird. Yeah. What are these two doing? Is everybody else busy? So that was Page and Hangman for me, and that's what worked in their yeah. dynamic. Even though they're meant to be like great mates. Because the belts sort of pulled them together. Are we class at this? Yeah. This was unexpected. Even though they're meant to be like great mates off screen. I never really got that yeah. from them. The difference with why am I so violent, and this is why I've said all along, that Cole is the only person to tell the story. And the fact that they are telling it with Cole, I find so inspired. There's one person that can convince MGF who has flirted with the idea of turning and he realizes that he's an arsehole. He revels in it sometimes, but there is the self-disgust element with the MGF character. There's anyone who can get him to redeem himself. It's Cole. Mm. So when I say there's a good and bad version of everything, even why am I so violent melodrama, the likes of which I got so... Uh, the elite can get away with it. NXT couldn't. This bond they have, it's like I've been watching them be friends for years yeah. and years and years. Can you remember Cole setting, uh, MGF setting Tom Lawler on Cole in what felt like the only story beat in this match that felt a little bit of a cliche, the kind of stuff that MGF would do? Yeah. It feels like it was 10 years ago and that this bond is so lived in. So when they were like, oh, I don't know if I want to hurt you, it's usually the kind of thing that at this point in my wrestling fandom, I'm like bored of. With these two, with their chemistry, I can completely get it. That is just my subjective opinion on it. One more thing, sorry, before you chime in, pipe up, is there were logic flaws in this match. If they'd done it no DQ or whatever... Like the count out, why didn't Cole drag him in the ring? I wish he'd stop the ref counting because the spot was necessary. They needed you said, the need, you need to account. You said before it had this, it had this, it had this. It also had that like wincing violence moment. Yeah. And it was that spot and that was required. So that was a logic flaw because Cole should have went, Well, I want the title. Yeah. That was where his head was at. I want the ch- title more than his friendship. So yes. he shouldn't have been happy with the count out through the logic and the rules of the match. Secondly, as great as the chair exchange was like Cole particularly shouldn't have been doing that at this point in the match. He did want the title. So why was he trying to get MGF disqualified? Yes. Good point. My take on that is I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I should care. Ordinarily, I'm re- like, I shouldn't be a wrestling fan with how much I have problems with. Why is that music playing when this person's doing a run in? Why is this impromptu match happening? Like my part, the part of my brain that is like this shouldn't like wrestling for whatever reason, I think it's just the strength of this character, this dynamic, just this joyful storyline. For possibly the first time, I've just lowered my standards. I can switch off. I don't care. It's just too good. We collectively lost it when they used the whole existence of the double clothesline to call back to the five more minutes that started all of this off. Yeah. Like, that, that was death dovetailing. That's death dovetailing stuff. That's why this is the best story. Deft as hell. It's the best storyline like this year in AEW, but truthfully, the gap is a mile wide between this and anything else. When there was once a point where there was three or four of this standard all happening at the same time, and I think that's a reflection of where AEW is at. I'm like, I'm much more patient for the nonsense than you are when it comes to the sort of, like what became known as the kind of cliched NXT formula. But it's rooted in the fact that it started good. These matches came along because once upon a time, they were a really fresh new way to tell a story. It was so much warmer and funnier than the NXT story, which is why I liked it as well, well way think, more than those matches. I think it's case by case, story by story, and wrestler by wrestler as well. 
this isn't easy material. And truthfully, WWE through its performance center and through just falling in love with that formula, reduced it to easy material by telling any old wrestler to stare at the hands yeah. or any old wrestler to go mad with a weapon and try and act and do a frenzied primal scream or whatever it is. And it's not, it's, it's weighty stuff. And wrestling is not really a weighty art form, which is why there's that bit of your brain that shouldn't like it. Yeah. Um, not, I'm not even, I'm thick. But, uh, but I'm just but, but playing with stickler. But playing with this is really fun in the hands of the right performers. It's cringeworthy when it's done wrong. And again, I don't think anybody that was critical of this, even the people critical of it, and I know this is a really broad take because you're talking about maybe criticism you've seen on social media. It felt to me, even people critical of people, of them using the tropes, weren't going, Colin M. Jeff can't do it. They were yeah. just saying, I don't like seeing the tropes. Yeah. Same with this, the criticism of comedic stuff being used for a title program because a lot of people are obsessed with the idea that funny ain't money. They don't like it because they don't like seeing it. They're not saying these two can't do it well. These two aren't the best at it. And I think that's an important distinction to make because I think if you're predisposed to never, never enjoy this work, then you would still be able to objectively assess this as a success. And I think I said it. It's like me, the non-best friends guy, kind of standing back and going, Jesus Christ, Trent putting a shift there, man. Yeah. Like, I cannot, I cannot look at Trent and Chucky T the same and not know that what they did... Chucky T was class as well. ...to make their memory moment count and just be like, yeah, this is like, this is nice. This is where they should be. Good work. I can never, I can never not, despite my subjective taste, and I genuinely believe that, you could be the biggest hater, capital H, of the NXT formula because of what Gargano, Champer and all the rest put you through year on year on year. But this was the best version of a thing. So how can you not appreciate it for that? Very quickly, we've gone over, I think, well, certainly on my dinner. How's <laughs> uh, CM Punk ruined AW again? Is he leaving? No, nah, AW's ruined CM Punk. Gives a, just gives a couple of minutes on Punk, and I'll give you a couple of minutes, and then we'll wrap up. I'm worried we'll never get him again. Uh, but then I'm less worried than I was a few days ago because we got him in Wembley. Selfishly, if you have never seen CM Punk back on this run, I feel sad for you because you missed out on something special, really special, and it feels like it might be now. That feels like it might be now. Look, he's probably not going to work collision. He's probably not going to work all out. The suspension of the two of them as we... All out's going to suffer badly yeah, as a result as well. As, as we oh, currently... Aye, as three we, hours of rampage a week, Jesus Christ. Now's probably not the time for the referendum on why Punk might be welcomed back in because of how vital he is to collisions. I was just going to go on Twitter to see this update. Yeah, it's a, a like, very evolving story. Like, how vital he is to collisions health and how... Tony Khan may choose his star because that's where we're at. And, you know, I'm sure people will expect me as a such a punk fan and a backer of him in these situations to just defend him, like wholesale for his actions. And, I, and I, it's not so much about this incident with Jack Perry. It's about the, like, what is the culture of a locker room at this point? How allowed should all of this be? I don't want violence in a workplace. We said this with the elite fight. It's really bad if people are fighting at work. So do not misconstrue my sort of point here as, oh, Hamlet wants to go back to the old days of people fighting every week in the locker room. I don't. That'd be horrific. However, why can't we be in an intensely competitive athletic environment 
where in the absolute worst case scenario, I do not mean once a year, twice a year, three times a year, in the absolute worst case scenario, things have gone badly off the rail and these intensely competitive athletic people have fought that structure of leadership exists where after the fight and after the fact, they are reminded, this is worst case scenario, lads. This is sackable, lads, but I don't want this. I want you to pull together and I want us to figure this out. That's what we're not getting. If there has to be a fight every five years and then the leadership pulls everybody together for the greater good, I think I'm saying it's okay to have a fight every five years. This is obviously not that, but I think we're lost in different people's cultures about what this fight represents. CM Punk, I believe, analysing him, probably thinks this is okay as long as after the fact we can come together and fix it. And I think that's where it's lost. If the the rumours are true when you're saying, I hate this place, then the fight's not solving anything, is it? The fight's just a fight. The fight's just nasty needle and it's doing nothing for nobody. And I hate that. And all I'm saying is that, like, I do want... You're wearing a punker T-shirt as we speak. I am. All I'm saying is that I do want the world... It's an AW or a Fed one. It's an AW one. This is recent um, trans kids one. All money to the Trevor Project. I think you can still buy it. Why can you wear it at all? Are you scared of the elite fans at Wembley? That's because I'm too fat for it to write up. <laughs> <laughs> if I pop, it's going to look like a crop top. Like the, um, I, It's just a, a very, very sad situation that these methods that people are choosing aren't in any way for the greater good. Jack Perry, who I'm not absolving of guilt here, went out there and said what he said partly because he probably felt that's what you can do here. Why? Because CM Punk did it. I know. And this is the point, you know, like, and CM Punk will say, you know why I started doing this? It's because Hangman Page did it to me. And once I heard that, I saw that all bets were off. So all these people have got all of these... And why did Hangman Page do it? Because there was limitless freedom of expression from the off. You know, you can. And there it. might have been another reason why he did it. Well, and I, the reason why he did it might have been proven correct by the fact that it's happening again on Collision seemingly every week. It's just so complex. There's these traceable things that if they had, and we use this example, right? Brett and Sean have a fight in June. They work together on the best finish ever in August. So then you're like, oh, hang on, how can we not get there? But then it's like, yeah, but that also ended in Montreal. So these things are never perfect. I just wish that... When they're having the, when Jungle Boy and Punk are having a fight, they're not having the fight for the same reasons, are they? There's not the same motive. Like I'm not, I don't believe Punk has I put him in a chokehold to subdue the kid. I wanted to settle the situation. They're having a fight. Yeah, right. That's really bad. They're having a fight, and Punk's about to go out there. Like Jack Perry's had a meh. He cannot jeopardize. He's had a complete nightmare. He cannot jeopardize an all-in match with one of the top stars five minutes before it happens. That's. Punk really could bad, easily but, turn around and go. Oh, come on! All I'm saying is, there's a time and a place. Yeah. All I'm saying is, like, I got into the building late enough because I was riding the tubes, riding da tubes. Like, he's had a mare, Jack Perry, here. But there will be a bit of him that will have felt emboldened by both his friends and enemies in his company. And a lack of leadership, making it very clear from the very beginning what is and what isn't. I'll never use... I guess I'm going to do it now. But I'll never use the... (laughs) Vince won't let us go on. Because a lot of dumbasses did that brawl out last year and showed their arse for what they don't know. Yeah. I never want that from Tony Carton. Just make some new rules. Make some better rules. Have this awful thing happen 12 months ago that shouldn't have happened and make sure it never happens again. And here we are. You don't have to destroy the freedom of expression in the company. All you have to say is do not reference in your promos any off-screen beef that you have with a wrestler. Sorry. Did we not go through this about a month ago? Oh, Christ, this list's really going to neuter AEW. Did Jack Perry get his line approved per the list, did he? The list of rules. Did I say glass? Yes. Did I say a buckle bomb thing? I'm sure I at mean, some point. Uh, you know, but, like, if, was that list that everybody got a bit down on, 
not put in place to stop this ever happening again? So has the list already been torn up? Well, to the left hand. This wasn't on the list, I don't think. It's probably the thing that should be number one. Like, it's most important. If you're going to dig into somebody that's based in reality and not a storyline you're working on, maybe just go and get it cleared. Yeah. That's... Then Tony would just say, absolutely not. It's a volatile situation. But yeah, like Perry's, you know, there's a famous anecdote from a famous story in which Jacques Rougeau, bullied by Dynamite Kid, I just want to make it expressly clear, it's a completely different situation. There's just one little element that I think they might have in common. So uh, Jacques Rougeau was bullied by the sociopathic arsehole that was uh, the Dynamite Kid. Like He's getting physically bullied. He's getting, like, pranked. He's, his life, he's, it's torment. It's hell. So he decides, I want to get revenge. He's far harder than me. But if I can just sucker punch him with a roll of quarters, I can embarrass him, I can hurt him, and I just want to do it. Um, so apparently Jacques Rougeau practices on a mattress that he stood up against the various motel rooms that he's in night after night on these old loops and just smashes it over and over again, night after night, just to perfect his approach. Yeah. He hits it on the dynamite kid. Jacques Rougeau, uh, Jack Perry's tried to Jacques Rougeau with this situation, and he's <laughs> failed. He's had a month of preparation. Apparently, he's already said, I'm going to say something to him. Clearly, this is planned. Clearly, he's thought, you know what? I'm going to do this at Wembley. I'm going to do this at Wembley Stadium. Maybe he's thinking, it's probably going to turn, it's, this is total speculation on my part, it's probably going to turn physical. I'm ever going to have the endorphin rush in me to have a fight and to win it. It's going to be when I've had 80,000 people, like, in the palm of my hand. It's basically the shoot version of the Eddie Kingston promo. A lot of people won't say anything to you, but I will. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to do it right now. And this is, will I ever be more confident? Will I ever be on more of a high than after doing this in front of 80,000? Maybe that's why he's picked here. I don't know. But again, why is it okay for Punk to say that the hangman... Should they be more public with this? Um, following news of da, 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 that it happened off air, you all saw it. CM Punk has been fined by AEW because I've heard the rumor that he was. He should have been. That's it's like it's a, it's a measure to put in yeah. place to prevent this sort of thing from happening again. So again, it's always these series of escalations, and it's exponential, and it's therefore. Um, like, it's, it's, this will not stop. Perry did exactly what Punk did, but worse. Mm-hmm. Punk, in his head, did what Hangman Page did, but worse. Yeah. Exponential and untenable at the same time, and here we are a year later. All based on precedence. Yeah. And this is why I keep going back to the lack of leadership structure for a situation like this. Toby Flenderson's big file for a win-win-win with him, Michael, and whoever. The obvious lack of that is... Is what's causing all this because people just have to eventually, like, fall in line or find a way because that's not happening, is it? Nobody is falling in line or finding a way. Nobody, everyone can claim there's a great, a good happening here. Yeah. And everyone is lying when, yeah. they, when they claim that. The thing I want to say to round this off from my perspective anyway is that it can't happen. The reason why wrestling is somehow allowed to exist even though the advertising industry hates it, <laughs> it's because it never stops. That's the one benefit. Oh, you'll mm-hmm. get wrestling all year round. Great. If this company ever needs a month off, it's now. If any company has ever needed a month off, it's AEW now. They've tried to do solve problem upon problem with addition upon addition, which is a problem upon a problem. Are the creators out of control? Get 10 people to do it. Well, that in itself is another problem. They've lost their way. The, the organization is a complete mess. There are dark rumors circulating everywhere 
getting more intense by the week that this company internally is a shambles, a total and utter shambles. He needs to get his house in order. Just quickly. If it's a, if you're a businessman and all the rest of it, I don't care. I think this is fun. It's fun for us to cover. Yeah. Like people are just getting headlocks and choked. It's like no one's really getting badly hurt. It's, you know, it's it's undeniably compelling stuff. If you're Tony Khan, you need to get your house in order. This is getting ridiculous at this point. Like on this, to round it off, this is me asking you because we've not talked about this over the desks today. I saw a lot of, and you, you understand why people say this, and you think it's like, oh, it's the quickest solution. Like, come on, Tony Khan, release CM Punk. Come to terms on getting CM Punk out because, like, in people's minds, and I get this, and I even agree with it to a point. Just seeing if there's any more. Yeah, I even agree with it to a point, even though I differ on maybe some of the whys. Well, he's the common denominator. Right? I think that's bollocks. I think there was a locker room that was had more, like, Dark art stuff. We've certainly seen stuff that's come out, for, the, for example, over the women's locker room over the years, but it's a wrestling locker room that was never well mediated. I think, remember the Kingston and Sammy Guevara one that was since forgotten because it, like... Pope just, was had, he'd been there a year. Aye. Like, stuff had... I think stuff was destined to occur in a wrestling locker yeah. room, right, that didn't have strong leadership. I every, just, it happens in everyone. Yeah. Just to touch on why people that want so much the, come on, Let's cut bait on CM Punk now. We've all had fun. Some of us even had more fun than we thought we would with some big matches, but let's just call it what it is and part ways. If Tony Khan, like, was offered from CM Punk, get me out of this deal, he would probably try to keep him. This is a business, isn't it? He's got to be looking at collision and kind of like I'd be breaking pulling the right old now. collar if Punk's like, all right, I want out. And then let's say that side gets out through Imagine Punk's like side. Hour and 10 minute FTR matches. <laughs> yeah, but like. We're joking, but like, what does what does that show? It's exactly, already right? a little bit stretched and basic with Punk there. So for anyone on one side of it, going, ah, oh, Tony Khan's just come on, come on, it's time. Tony Khan is. I'm, I don't want. It's always just speculating. We're just having a chat. Like, he's probably not thinking that. Like, and I, I need to keep Punk. Well, you could solve the problems then, Tony. Oh, I, I need to like also like keep a lot of the fan base happy. Well, you could solve the problems then, happy. Or I could just maybe hope that they all go away. Yeah. Like, like that I think that's just not out there much. So what are you asking me? What's the like, what I'm asking is like, do you do you think that to be true? Do you think at this point if Tony Khan was offered a route out of having CM Punk on the books anymore, he would take it? No. I don't either. Because I've that felt like it was getting missed yesterday to me. Like the kind of people going, oh, come on, it's time. I don't I don't think Tony Khan thinks it's time. Can't read the story of CM Punk in the debut episode of Collision, Walking Past Gorilla, Tony Khan <laughs> started chanting CM Punk. One of the funniest bits <laughs> of this whole tale for me. Uh, no. well, from a business point of view, that's it. Like, there's no, this is not even a... Collision's already shown signs of not being that great in terms of the ratings. Like, it does a better demo than Collision, similar overall. Um, they, better than Rampage. Yes, yeah. but not significantly. Like, Dynamite does significantly better than Collision, but Collision doesn't do significantly better than Rampage. And I know that the slot is... Much worse. It's a better live event than a TV mm-hmm. night Saturday. And I know, but at the same time, I think it was Brandon Thurston who pointed out it's not doing significantly better than the exponentially cheaper rerun. Oh, we've got, we've bought Back to the Future 2. We can, we've got the rights to that. We can run that any old night at any old time. Mm. And if it's not doing, if Back to the Future 2, which is not inexpensive, people forget about this as well. Like it costs a lot. It costs a lot to do Big Bang theory, syndication rights, and all the rest of it. But like 
Collision's not doing that well. Um, it's doing all right. It's not doing that well. Um, until his drawing power has completely gone, and it hasn't by far. The Look t- at the merch. The t-shirts, man. The t-shirts, man. I'll keep them. Of course I would. Uh, this is the thing, right? And it gets lost in the culture wall then, doesn't it? But, like, I just think people need to understand, even, this is, uh, that, you've helped me get the point I was trying to make there. Even in a situation where collision kind of feels like it's failing, and that should be the measure of CM Punk's supposed star power. Which he has to have for the, this to just to be justified at all. Yeah. Even in that situation, Tony Khan is thinking, I don't know, but I need to keep you. I need to keep you. And I think that's why letting somebody go is not the answer. Releasing somebody, releasing... It's never going to happen. Say if it had been the elite last year, like the elite going, it, like that wouldn't have been the answer to any problems. It's the fact It's a deep, rot, institutional at this point. It's not just Punker who's the problem. Like the travel story. Apparently it wasn't just Punk. It was a, everyone who used to be in WWE is just going to the torch. It's kind of mystified that no one was picking them up from the airport. That's his basics there. Yeah. You've got like stars and egos and mm. new countries. I don't want to go too much on this because no, 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 I'm I don't yeah. I just think it's like it's fascinating to think that they're not like this is absolutely a stop being reactive, start being proactive. Yes. Throw everything out and look at your systems and start again. Accept the feelings. It's what I said start the again. It's what I said with the month. The month. Like what's happened to the creative? Tony Khan was talking, this is the last thing I'll say. Um I think it's 2021. I know, but you've taken over creative. Is that actually that happened in 2022? And he said, and I quote, this is two years ago, right? There were too many cooks in that kitchen, right? There are more cooks now than there were when you had you, Cody, Kenny in the books, right? Mm -hmm. There's Tony Khan, there's MGF, Jericho, Moxley, the elite punk. That was always the case. You've got Danielson, you've got QT Marshall, you've got Sanjay Dutt, you've got Shivani. You've got Will Washington. You've got all these other names in this room. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? That's one problem. It's like WCW committee stuff, that, isn't it? Yeah. Like the, the merch is a problem. Yeah. The um, live event business might be a problem. Look what a disaster the Canadian tour was. With a, was it Hamilton in Toronto <laughs> or somewhere? Well, I mean, all in this week in Wembley is like, oh, great, 10,000 on. Oh, you come back to that building and you're drawing like 3,000. Yeah. We know that building is 10,000. Back to Chicago is know. bad. Like the travel, the live event, like as I said, the Canadian tour, people are like, why are they running this date next to that date? Like the merch has been disgraceful mm. um, on occasion. Like he needs, it's expanded too aggressively, too quickly. And the left hand so often doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Oh, you can't come to collision. What? Oh, <laughs> oh, we don't need you. Go home from Dynamite. Oh, actually, we need you to Rampage. Well, I'm not coming back. What? Like, he needs a complete and utter, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Inspection. Mm, and, you know, and people could think that, well... Like, you know, when you get Ofsted in? Yeah. Or, you know, when you get, like, the regulators in? Yes. He needs, a, he needs an inspection. Just to try and tie this to what people actually watch, because this just, like, people will just think, oh, this is just... Nerdy podcaster crack that is only for like people that care about this. Everything you just said there gets you to that laughable and laughed at Hangman Page in inverted commas hospital promo. Yeah, everything you described is why that was there to have the piss taken out of it, and that's the end product with one of your top stars. Yeah, like, that's it. All ends up in the creative on some way or another. Yeah, 
Anyway, let us know what you thought um, about All In. <laughs> let us know if you think AEW's doomed or CM Punk is doomed on X at WhatCultureWWE. Whilst you're there, you can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. You can follow me at M. Sidgwick. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, we've got the Raw review coming later. Um, stick around for that. And thank you so much. Enormous thanks to everyone who stopped us and said hello. Everyone who would have if they were there. We can't do this without you. Thank you, and we'll see you later. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 